Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. I had to do bow, something. Bow, 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 bow. Right. Actually, okay. that did not sound like a horn. <laughs> it maybe sounded like a French horn, but close enough. <laughs> it was a horn nonetheless. Um, huh, how do you boss it? <laughs> I was just like thinking of how a French horn looks, but anywho. Uh, Why is that funny? Because a French horn is such a random instrument. Um, and what makes it French? But anywho, that's deep. Wow. Hmm. Ooh la la. I don't know. As it s'il vous plaît, croissant. As soon as I said that, then I thought of like butter. Anywho, I want my boss. Sorry, have you seen that scene in um, Unbreakable? Do you watch Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt? Not with any sort of consistency. Is it in season oh, one or okay. season two? Well, this is in season one because I just started. The oh, show. okay. But there, uh, Titus and Kimmy are at a restaurant, and um, it's like a very fancy yes. restaurant. Yes. And they're on a they're balling <laughs> on a budget, and so Titus is like, "All you have to do is." Uh, we're at a French restaurant, so all you have to do is this. And they were just speaking gibberish. <laughs> yes. They're like, get turned up and get asked to leave. They, get, yeah. they get all turned. And then the waitress is like, okay, okay, it's fine. And like, she goes and like somehow gets them a free meal. But um, it's amazing. Great. <laughs> Anyways, um, how you Boston? Um... I'm good. I am relaxed. I am fresh off a workout, which is like every day. So that's nothing new or surprising. Um, I've been working on my meditation game some, um, which has been so relaxing as it should be. So that's been nice. And I want to get more consistent with that because I've realized that I sleep so much better because I've been doing it at night, like as I'm preparing to like wind down and go to sleep. Um, and I totally use that. What is it? Um, let me use the app that I totally got from uh, the friend zone headspace. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's free for like the first 10 meditations and then you have to pay for the other ones, of course. But I was like, I guess I'll just keep listening to these 10 um, until I find another app that will give me 10 more for free. Um, oh, just kidding. Only the first, the first five are free. Okay. Well, I guess I listen to these first five over and over again. Uh, <laughs> But, <laughs> nothing is free in life <laughs> this is how you ball on a budget um so yeah that has been like a really nice and welcome calm and it's really helped to get me to fall asleep and to stay asleep so in that sense i got some really long days um coming ahead but i am feeling relaxed and rested right now which is great um how you bossin well, um, I, you know, I, I'm going to be really real with you, of course, Shamina, because you're my best friend, um, but just really publicly, because the more I say it, the more grounded I feel and I'm acting upon it. Um, a few episodes or a couple episodes ago, um, I mentioned at the end of an episode where, I don't know, there was just a feeling that's been inside of me that I felt was somewhat linked to anxiety, but I've always kind of brushed it off. And I'm like, oh, let me explore it a little bit more. Uh, and on my vacation, um, I had a lot of time to think about it. And I think it's actually something that's real in my life. 
and I think I'm just in a work environment that has unleashed the beast to the max. Um, but I think in my past jobs, there, uh, there have been small moments of it, but they've been manageable. So um, I finally uh, was able to uh, work with my EAP, Employer Assistance Program, to um, talk to someone and get a list of um, therapists that uh, Mm. match some of the, the, I have very specific uh, traits and um, uh, professional certificates that I was looking for in individuals. So I'm going to, I'm going to, call some folks this week and what's great about my program is that uh they can only fund up to a certain number of sessions but if i go mm-hmm. to one and i don't like it i can get that session back um oh, nice. and i can keep i can keep bouncing around until i find someone that is a good fit which um is really important because you need i think it's important everyone forms a bond with their therapist so that they get you and they understand and some of the requirements that i have is um, it definitely has to be uh, a gay person because um, <laughs> some of the <laughs> things that I'm going to be br- bringing up are related to relationships. Mm-hmm. But primarily, I'm looking for someone who um, understands anxiety, specifically in the workplace, because that's where I'm experiencing it. I'm not experiencing it in my um, my day-to-day personal life. But I think if I don't find a way to manage it, it might eventually seep into my personal life. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so someone who understands like uh, professional workplace settings, um, being gay, I'm I can deal with or without um, someone who's a person of color, but it would be really nice if it was someone a person a person of color, uh-huh. um, because um, otherwise I think if it was a white person, I don't know. I think they might. I have this weird, uh, uh. I guess, theory that if it was a white person, they would treat some of the things that I'm experiencing as too clinical when the Mm -hmm. life that I'm living as a black person or a gay person is something really real. So it's, it's a bias that I want to eliminate. Um, if it's someone who, um, has a frame of reference to work with, but I'm sure psychiatrists and therapists are trained to, of course, um, they know what they're doing, but that's just me. I just would feel comfortable with that. So yeah. um, I have been slowly telling friends this. I've been, I even told my supervisor this. Um, and it was really comforting because she um, uh, definitely empathizes with my situation. She has something mm-hmm. similar and she's actually been in my position before, like the same exact jo- um, job, like many years ago. So she's able to like talk through things with me as well. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's just so liberating to finally get to the step and make time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited for the adventure. Um, I, I just, uh, I just always thought that, um, the feeling that I had was something that, oh, I'm just overwhelmed and let me just take a break. And so I took a break from all my side hustles. I took a two week vacation, three or four months later, that feeling never went away. I'm like, well, then what is it? If it's not me feeling overwhelmed or taking a break from things, what is it? And I'm self-diagnosing here, but I think that's what it is. Anxiety. I can appreciate that you're attempting to self-diagnose. 
Um, because who doesn't do that? Um, and kudos to you. I totally applaud the um taking the the um the step to support yourself. Um I anybody who knows me, and if you don't know me, uh that sucks to be you. No, I'm kidding. But I certainly I've seen a therapist for a number of years. And I'm very appreciative of the work that he and I do together. Um, and I I think you, you will start to like uncover some things about yourself that you didn't know, you know, good, bad, and indifferent. Like it's also, it's obviously a learning process as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very much a proponent of it. Uh, and in the good times and in the bad times, I don't see a therapist as someone who is just for like when you're struggling or when you're going through a hard time. Um, sometimes you just need to, you need to check in, you know, you need a place to kind of like expend all of that and talk about it with someone who <laughs> has a different um, skill set and experience with you um, and that you can kind of like let your hair down with. But I also get the, you're looking for certain things in a therapist. And I, I, I would agree. Similarly, you got to find someone who you feel like you connect with um, in a in a meaningful way. Um, yeah. So kudos to you. I I really like my therapist. Um, we. It's funny when you say like you're looking for like what you're looking for because I was like looking for something very specific, and then I went to the first appointment with him, and he's a. Um, I believe he's an LGBT identified. Uh, white male um of course he is i'm trying to say that he never came out and said it but he was like my husband and i'm like girl i knew but uh <laughs> <laughs> but, then it just, I knew it. Right. but it just made the conversation so much easier because there were then i realized it was the level of things that he got and understood as a person who identified as lgbt because at first i was like right. oh no i need a black person for sure and then we had our first session and i came out there like face all stained with tears and shit. And I was like, this feels right. Um, <laughs> and then I've just been like, he's been working with me on a number of things, uh, like work issues, personal issues. Like, yeah. So I am very much a big proponent of it. And I'm looking forward to you kind of delving into that space and yeah. Good for you, Paul. Thank you for yeah, sharing that too. You. That's, that's kind of big stuff to put out to the universe. Um, you don't know how always people are always going to like receive that, but I think people more people need to hear it than not. Right. So basically, you. you're changing lives. So. Oh. You. Oh, all right then. <laughs> all I right. need to be a little dramatic uh, about it. <laughs> Seriously. water cooler talk this week so uh we've had a little bit of a tiny bit of time to think about this um in advance but uh we're titling this topic or episode uh dear colleague dot 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. uh if you will and uh i i kind of see this conversation going into a place where i think a lot of times we're we may encounter situations or moments in our lives, uh, either they're one-time occurrences or maybe they keep happening and we get stuck and we just really don't know how to deal with uh, these 
situations, and I'm particularly talking about social situations in the workplace um, that may uh, get us in a roadblock. And so maybe oftentimes you might rely on a mentor or a friend. Uh, and uh, Shamina and I do this naturally with each other all the time where it's like, oh, I just need someone to talk this situation through and figure out what to do next. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to start off uh, with a situation that happens a lot and it's it's so passive but the aggregation of it is pretty invasive um when uh you know people know that i'm a dancer i'm really invested in the arts it's it's a hobby of mine and um something that i do on the side and uh being in a place that is uh, in all my work settings predominantly white and straight um I often get times, uh, like, when people get to know me, they will often tell me, hey, Paul, just dance for us. Dance. Just dance. What the hell? Yeah. And I, I shrug it off. I make it into a joke all the time. Because um, it's usually when everyone's uh, kind of relaxed a little bit, either they're at lunch or maybe it's an after work social or something like that. And, you know, the joke will take many forms. Um, either people will ask me, hey, I think this would be cool if you taught, uh, taught a class or like, um, I want to go to your dance classes or whatnot. But the, the on command, just dance for us whenever there's like music on. Um, oh, and this it even happens outside of work, like just wherever. Um, people just tell me to dance. And I don't think a lot of people understand how invasive that is. When um, you're telling a person like me just to dance on the spot is very, um, it goes back to the the Jim Crow days or the the days mm-hmm. where um, uh, slaves either worked in the fields, they uh, worked in the house, or they were entertainers. Um, mm-hmm. And entertainers used to be the lowest form um, of, uh, or yeah, one of the lowest forms that. Um, uh, of occupation that you could take and they weren't paid. <coughs> they were just told on the spot, just dance because I own you and you're going to jest for me. If I command you to jest, you'll jest. And so, um, and I compare this to other people because if it was a white person or maybe a, a person, a different person of color, if you tell you would, and they told you they were a dancer, you wouldn't, tell them to dance on command like that. I think subconsciously folks have this, uh, uh, they're awed by seeing a, a Black person mm-hmm. who has rhythm dance because they don't have rhythm. But it's very offensive when you tell me to do that, whether it's in the work setting or whether it's amongst strangers in a social setting. Mm-hmm. So um, I often get stuck because for years, I just shrug it off and make it to, to a joke. I definitely don't dance in front of them. And I just say, I'll make jokes like, uh, uh, well, where's my contracts? <laughs> you know, are you gonna, right. are you gonna give me a paycheck for this? I only, I only do paid gigs, you know, and I'll start doing that. Um, or I'll say, oh, well, you're just gonna have to come out to a dance party or something like that. Uh, but it gets tiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, 
yeah, I'm not even sure how to put into words what I want to say. Um, because one of mine was a, um, and I'm just gonna preface mine each with like a dear colleague, like the statement, dear colleague. Like sometimes I make jokes because I don't know how to respond without being, um, without a level of emotion, and emotion can come in a very a number of ways. So as you even say, like, but where's my contract? Like, haha. Like I'm making a joke because it's so uncomfortable that you would ask me that or say that to me. And I don't really know how to respond in a manner that would help me keep my job. You know what I mean? Um, Definitely. So, yeah, I hear you with that. I'm I'm surprised that people are like, dance. Like, they're going to throw, well, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm like, are they going to throw money at you? But I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> that was right. literally the first thing that came to mind. But, like, yeah. Who would do that? Like, well, it's, I think people just think it's so uh, uh, harmless because they think they, they're um, honoring your talent in a weird way. Mm. Yeah, that's weird. You're right. It is in a weird way. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. Um how about what's uh what would be a dear colleague for you? Um so you and I talked about this like very briefly a little bit ago. Um before we got on uh, this for this episode. And I have a dear colleague, um please don't microaggress all over me. Um I which sounds gross and it it felt gross when the person did it. Um I was in a meeting with a colleague from another uh part of the campus. And we were talking about like a student issue and she was saying something, something about like Greek life. And I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, a member of a Greek organization myself, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me, she was like, uh, which one to be like, like she knew already. And then I was like, I was like, which one? What? She's like, are you an alpha? Or she said something like that. And she's like, um, and I was like, no, I'm actually not. I'm a Sigma Kappa, which is not part of the Divine Nine. So it's not a culturally based organization. Oh, and she was like, oh, I just know a lot of African-American women that are alphas. And I'm like, or a- AKAs, I think is what she said. I see, I don't even know the damn language, but I was just sitting there. And this was not a Black woman that I was across, as you would imagine. Um, and I just felt like, don't put your stuff on me as a way to, for you to try to connect with me. Cause this surely didn't do it. Um, and it completely turned me off to the conversation. And then I saw it made the reason that the, she was having this issue with the student more real. Cause it ended up being a, a bit around like her not understanding like dynamics of race, which was disappointing in the Bay area. But anywho, um, it's disappointing anywhere, but especially here because I live here now. But it just felt really icky for her to be like, to just make the assumption because I'm Black, those are the only organizations that I could be a part of when that is not true. So I quickly wrapped up the conversation after that with her. But it just felt like, don't make the assumption that because I look like this, this is what I, this is an organization that I must be a part of. I can't be a part of anything else. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, felt gross. That is gross. Uh, dear colleague, um, don't look to me for all the answers and all the context clues. 
So what I mean by that is, um, yes, I may, um, and I'm speaking, okay, yes, I am young. And yes, um, I love my culture, like whether it's dance, hip hop culture, pop culture, news, music, all of that, slang, language, and I don't even fully immerse myself in all the the slang or ebonics <laughs> um, that my wow. community may have <laughs> partaken. But um, wow. I, I would say oftentimes, like there are sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't know what my people are talking about, you know? And I say my people, like, I don't know. I, yes, they're my people, but <laughs> not all of them are my people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. have the answers to everything because I grew up one way. Um, I had certain experiences. And I'm just one shade of <laughs> many different shades mm-hmm. of Black. And... I think when I was younger, there even within the Black community, I think I um, would be faulted for not, or blamed for not knowing the same things that my other Black friends um, knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I have a more diverse uh, social circle, um, uh, I am surrounded by people who understand my frame of reference and that we're all, we're all teaching each other and we're all sharing different backgrounds. but. Um, at, now that I'm older, uh, there is a specific group of people that uh, look to me for the context clues. And I'm like, I, you know, it's news to me. I'm in the same exact boat as where you are. So maybe you should just use Google or <laughs> mm-hmm, right? talk to other people, you know? Yeah. That's a good one. Because as you said that, I was like, there's a whole list of shit that people were like, they'll say something to me and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's for a variety of reasons. But I was like, but I can talk to you about a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm sure you're not going to be interested in. But yeah. Most of that stuff goes right up. Even some of the stuff that you say to me, and I'll, I'll be like, hmm. And I was like, let me use my, my good friend Google, which is free, to figure that out and try to get a little bit of understanding. Right. Um. Here's a dear colleague. Um. Simply because we work in the same place, maybe doing similar work, does not mean that we receive similar treatment or experience the workplace in any similar fashion. And part of that is there are a number of colleagues that I have on and off campus that see us as the same. And I'm like, people don't treat us the same. And this is like in my black gay skin, mostly my black skin, but like I, I can't shed the black gayness of myself and the womanness. But like people treat us differently. Like I can say something in a similar, fa- I can say the same thing in my voice. And someone who doesn't have respect for me or what I do will hear that differently from me than they will from you. And I need people to know and see that. Um, and to recognize that that's a real thing, even in 2017. That's a very real thing, and I experience it all the time. Um, sometimes before and or after people, like, meet me and they see me and kind of, like, doing my thing in my element or whatever. Um, and I get this when people, like, like if I, don't, if I say something that in a way that doesn't appease to them or doesn't roll over and take, like, 
I just don't roll over and take it. Um, and this is one thing that I hate that people do. Like I will respond to something and then they'll like CC my supervisor on it, like on their response, as though my supervisor doesn't know what the hell I said or what I was going to say. And it's like they need, um, and my supervisor's white, like that's who she is. Um, but sometimes it sucks that it, it needs, like, and I don't know if it's her credibility as my supervisor and my boss, the boss of me, if you will. Um, and let's be honest, I don't, there's no boss of me, but or if it's her, it's her whiteness that shows up that gives like the credibility, their, her credibility um, being higher than mine in a certain situation. When mm-hmm. I am like, for all intents and purposes, the subject matter expert, because I do that, like that's part, that's my job. I do it all the time, every day. You know what I mean? And so sometimes it's really frustrating. And even the fact that, I have, that I'm sitting here thinking about like, I don't know what it is um, because it feels like it needs a definition. And I'm like, it's frustrating. And I, I don't really know what to do with that. But I, I need people to recognize that those things look different for me. Like the way that I have to move about my work and my world are different simply based on something like the color of my the color of my skin. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely uh, resonate with that in small ways. Um, I, especially when I first started, um, well, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm more confident now, but uh, there, I did have a little bit of um, what you were feeling on top of imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. um, now, because you, you're saying I need people to recognize, but I was also putting ideas in my head, making assumptions because of my um imposter syndrome so Mm -hmm. it was that and for me it was less about uh black and being gay but it was more about my age because i think in our industry age means a lot in terms of uh your authority and your position Mm -hmm. and i sometimes underestimated my own authority um which showed a little bit um because I'm like, oh, I mean, do they even know? Like, I'm in this position, but um, I feel so mm-hmm. young, but I'm not. You know, it was all in my head. Um, but I think a tiny bit, uh, your sentiment can also go along with age. Um, and I mean, the, this experience is really unique to me. I don't know if you ever felt that way if you were in, my, um, you know, years ago when you were in my place. First of all, it wasn't that many years ago. <laughs> Um, I know there was no non-shady yeah. way to say that. No, there wasn't. And you're right. And you said it in a shady way. And that's okay. I can be about forgiveness. Uh, uh, there's a level of that that I get now, um, mostly because of the position that I sit in. Like, I'm dealing with faculty members. And my, maybe it's, my, it's a mix of age and, like, the fact that I, am, I don't have a PhD, which I do not want one. Um, Although I give kudos to people who have or are pursuing their PhD or EDDs, so I was like, that's just not the life that I'm looking for. Um, but because I like, I'm not like an academic subject matter expert. And the ones who seem to have the, the primary issues are like older faculty who aren't like they expect things to be in, a, in an old school way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not even I don't even know how to describe it, but like they want things to be like they were like like with students in the 80s and even like the early 90s, like college students, they expect things like students now to behave in that same fashion and kind of like 
acquiesce and bow down to the like professor who was the all knowing. And when students like question those things, any, even if question them appropriately, they get all like they're being rude and disrespectful. And I was like, well, actually, I don't read rude or disrespectful in anything that they've written here. Because they have some questions and they may have a differing viewpoint than yours. But they don't want to hear that. So yeah, I get it in a just in a bit of a different fashion. But yeah, the like with some of the old school professors, and I was like, "Oh, you don't want to retire yet? Okay, this isn't you're talking to me more than you're talking to your students." And I'm the conduct officer, but okay, so yeah. Um, uh, my next one is <coughs> this is very introverted of me, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's just. Dear colleague, um, I guess it's more of a question. How do I, how do I keep work as work and not all about, or no, I want to say, dear colleague, it's, it's not always about uh, the relationships and the interpersonal relationships. Sometimes it's just about the work. Um, so mm-hmm. when I say that, I think, or not, I think when I say that um, it's coming from, uh, I, I think we, um, I often get pulled into a tornado of uh, political situations that are all based on feelings and not based on fact. Okay, and it, my it, league it, teal, my league teal. <laughs> feelings are not facts. And as a manager, uh, sometimes I have, I'm, I have to coordinate this and somehow get us to a solution. And because it's on feelings, not facts, these uh, situations get drawn out for days and sometimes weeks and maybe pull in other stakeholders that don't need to be pulled into the situation. And then at the end of the day, it wastes everyone's time and we got nowhere. Or in hindsight, we said, oh, A, B, and C should have been done because these were the facts. Um, Mm. And... I, I just get really tired of that. I, I, that's why sometimes I love the days where I can just be head down and just focus on the work. Or I, I love to be around the people in my organization who um, they don't get hurt by some of these things. They're just like, you know, this, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just about the work. I'm not going to be in my feelings about this because this is just a job. I'm not, I'm not, it's not going to be hard feelings. Um, and those are the people I attempt to, I really vibe well um, with in the organization when mm-hmm. um, it's not about me, 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 or you, you, you. It's just, oh, uh, let's just step outside of this. Let's be humble. Let's stick to the facts and then get through it. You know, let's not, let's not um, make it such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you first started that one, I thought you were going to go into my next one. Um, and this is going to perhaps sound harsh. And it's, I'm going to say it. Um, dear colleague, we are colleagues and not automatic friends. Um, I think folks get confused because we work in the same place that we, again, like we are so similar. We're just going to like then hang out after work and then we're going to call and text each other and do all of these other things. And I'm like, if that happens, great, cool. like. Maybe it'll like we'll be friends after the workplace. And I've certainly had people that I've developed like 
excuse me, strong working relationships with that have, and we've both left positions and like at other institutions or outside of education. And like, then I, it's a test of time to see if those are like actual friends or all we connect over is like, you know, all we ever were, were like really good work colleagues. Um, and there's a, um, sometimes I frustrate with myself with this because I will think like, oh, this is like, someone wants to like be uh, a colleague and turn it into a friend and maybe get to know each other because we're ha- perhaps we have some sort of interest. And I sometimes like, I want to like kick myself for like going to that space because I do sometimes find it difficult to like make friends as an adult, like that that's not in school, you know, like in school, like things are kind of set up for you to like find some sort of friends, like very naturally from people you're in class with. And so I've fallen for that okie doke a few times and I've frustrated myself, um, like working to develop friendships based off of like the fact that we worked in the same place and thus we have, we had or have something in common, but I'm the last, I'd say probably six months to a year, I have totally been moving away from that. Cause I'm like, and then like, if the friendship doesn't work out, then I am like, I don't want to see you at work either. And I don't mean like it's a knockout drag out. Like, we're not friends and I'm going to make an announcement. Like, because I can low-key, like, just stop being your friend, like, immediately and just the whole thing be dead. Um, but, yeah, I have a lot of, I I have worked with people who are like, this is my friend, such and such. Like, if I see them around campus or whatever, and I'll be like, and if I see you on campus, I'm like, this is my, this is one of my colleagues, such and such. They're like, oh, I'm not your friend. I'm like, you're so crazy. Because um, <laughs> it wants to be like, no, you're not my friend. Um, because that tends to make people uncomfortable when you say that publicly or out loud and be like, dang, I'm not your friend. I was like, no, because I wouldn't know you if we weren't working in the same place. Um, and that doesn't make it bad. That doesn't mean if I see you on the street, I'm not going to speak, you know, I'm not going to, you know, ignore you, but let's remember how we met (laughs) again, which as I say it out loud, it sounds a little harsh, but. (laughs) <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm just used to you and it doesn't sound harsh to me <laughs> I know but because this is something that I say because you know me yeah. um, and certainly there are instances where it works out and like I have like some really great friends that I have that I've met through work and we are at different places now and we can talk about things that are not work um, but yeah like we are colleagues um, and no I don't want to hang out 9.95 times out of 10 no I don't want to hang out with you after work um, and that's okay. Um, that doesn't mean I don't like you. That just means like I want to put my energy somewhere else. And that's okay too. So, yeah. Uh, so I only have one more. Um, and this is uh, not within the workplace, but it's about, uh, uh, we're still talking about our professions just with other people who don't work at the job that we're at. So. Um, but dear colleague, uh, I guess I'll say, yeah, dear colleague, the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, and I feel like we've talked about this in different ways, but more concretely, I I think there are situations where, um, folks may think they know the answers to situations that, um, I'm trying to talk to uh, talk through, and they may answer um, m- the the challenges that I'm facing in a way that's like, 
oh, well, all you just got to do is this. It's just, it's mm. easy. It's, you just got to do it this way. And they're not really seeking to understand. <laughs> and they're kind of just shrugging it off. Um, and I don't, I don't take it personally. It's just a matter of, um, it kind of comes from a place like either you don't think my profession or my industry is as complex as yours. Because there are a lot of times where I feel like people underestimate how complicated education is and that it's not Mm -hmm. valued the same way as working in a corporation or valued the same way as working at a tech startup. Um, I see see this a lot when I go on job interviews um, where it's just viewed as less than. And I view the skills and the challenges that we face sometimes even more complex than um, these other businesses. So um, yeah, dear colleague, uh, maybe it's not the grass is always greener. Sometimes it's uh, the grass is um, moldier on the other side or something like that. It can to be moldy, though. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just uh, I'm looking for a mutual level of respect and seeking to understand um, and to view me as your your equal when it comes to these organi- organizational challenges that we're trying to solve. Um, yeah. I hear that. I hear that loud and clear. Um, my last one is, dear colleagues, um, providing a PLE is annoying and frustrating. PLE is a perfectly logical explanation. Um, and we've talked about kind of emotions in the workplace and whatnot before. Um, but I have found this with, um, a number of colleagues who I've worked with over the years who are for the most part, white colleagues. Um, and like, I will share like an experience or like a frustration or something like that, or an interaction that I was, that it requires more thoughtfulness. And what I'll get back is like a perfectly logical explanation as to why something happened, which feels like it invalidates the fact that I'm human and I have like human feelings and I have experiences that are unique to me. And sometimes those things are based on my identity or based on like the credibility that someone assigns to me or doesn't. Um, But to be silenced in the like, well, it's just this. So a little bit of what you said um, just a few minutes ago, but like, it's just like, it just looks like this. That's fine. Like you're taking too much and you're thinking too much into it. I'm sure it's just this. And I'm like, well, you're not that other person who was on the, like the giving end of whatever treatment that I felt like I received. Um, and just because it doesn't rise to the level of having like 75 receipts to go along with it doesn't invalidate the fact that I have feelings and I don't want to be explained away because my feelings are valid and who I am and how I experience the world is valid. So yeah, I'm not here for that, that particular type of colleague who is like, well, no, it can't be that. Like that wasn't my experience. So how could that be your experience? Like we're one and the same. And I'm like, the world doesn't see us as the same. In a variety of factors. So, yeah. The people who PLE. No, thank you. <laughs> I haven't heard the PLE before, but then when you said it, I'm like, oh, yes. I, I definitely know what you're saying. Yeah, you. I'm sure you've seen it. You're probably going to have it in the next few days. We all do. <laughs> right. It's just somebody who's like, like, you say something, and you're, like, you're saying it with thoughtfulness, and they just give you an answer. And I'm like, bitch, I wasn't looking for an answer. I was trying to share <laughs> an experience that I was had, or maybe a struggle. 
Right. You want to just give it down to like 10 words like that, then I should then get over it. No, that's not what this is. <clears throat> All right. That was really, oh, I liked that. That was really. It was therapeutic for me. It was therapeutic, <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, to say those things out loud, I sort of, you know, I've been thinking them for who knows, who knows how long. I can exhale. Um, you know, uh, to close this off, I, you know, if, you know, listeners, if there is a dear colleague that you want to express, um, please uh, send us your your thoughts in our mailbox or just tweet at, tweet at us or post on our Facebook wall. Um, uh, we'll definitely share them on the show if you have any more to add to our dear colleague list. We'll just change the name of this segment right? <laughs> instead of Ask a Boss, but we're going to do another game. Um, but this week, um, you'll get to know uh, Shamina a little bit. Well, kind of. This is more testing your intellect than your um, than you, but <laughs> no shame. I did not agree to um, this fully before because I don't know what we're doing, but I'll go with it. All right. So um, we both love television. And I am going to present to you some really um, well-known quotes from Black sitcoms. Oh, my God. Okay. Because <laughs> I know we both love our Black sitcoms from back in the 90s. Uh, and, yeah, you'll just have to guess what show it's from. You don't necessarily have to guess who said it. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, Are you going to give me a list of shows? Or I'm just going to have to know the show? You're just going to have to know the uh, show. Okay. All right. This is the first be one. Should be easy. <laughs> All right. First one. Damn, Gina. That's Martin. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Said by Martin. <laughs> right. All right. Next one. Back up, back up. Mind your business. That's just all. Just mind your business. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, good. I can see it too. Um, that's uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's Ashley Banks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Fresh, uh, well, no, it was uh, Will Smith. He said it. He was, telling, he was telling Ashley to say it, though. She right. was trying yes, to uh, that was the, the defend scene. herself against, uh, to try to quote-unquote act crazy. Don't play me. I know this. Come on. Yes, yes, I yes. love Fresh okay. Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, oh, no. We're going to skip that one. Okay, good, because I didn't know it anyway. What you talking about, Willis? Really? Different strokes. <laughs> well, this was in my prime. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, they'll gradually get harder. You're on my list. What the hell am I supposed to do with that abstract-ass line? <laughs> You're on my list. <laughs> that could be anybody USA. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, this was a different world. How, now, how was I supposed to get that one random line? <laughs> Out of God. Jennifer Lewis's character? No? Does it come to Oh, mind? and this is the, this was the later years of, uh, different, a uh, different world yeah, anyway. She, when they were yeah. in college. Oh, and, please. Come on. Okay. All right. All right. Go home, Roger. Sister, sister. 
<laughs> said by any of the, either sister at any given time. Right. Every right. episode, Roger. AKA from Immature, AKA from IMX. Oh, I can't do this next one because you need to, uh, because uh, we are not with each other in person. I have to do the hand gesture with it. But I guess I could explain it. But I'm clutch- clutching onto my chest and wobbling uh, over. And son. I'm coming, Sanford Elizabeth. Sanford son. <laughs> yeah. Sanford son, I already knew you said clutching the chest. That's um, Red Fox. Yes. <laughs> And then the last one, I'm Rick James, bitch. Chappelle Show. Yeah, good job. He was like, fuck your couch. Fuck your couch. (laughs) (laughs) He's grinding muddy boots into a white couch. Oh, Charlie Murphy, may he rest in peace. Mm. Um, But yeah, that was funny. You are so cultured. Blouses. Oh, Chappelle Show. can Can I do one more? Actually, this is the last one, actually. Okay. This is really easy, though. Who loves orange soda? I have no idea. What? Wait, say it again? Might... Who loves orange soda? I have no clue. Kel loves orange soda. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I do, I do, I do. You don't know this? Kel. No, this is the welcome to Good Even Burger, home of the Good Burger. Man, take your order, no, please. That was all that. That was a skit on all that. Uh, this line was from Keenan and Kel. Sweet, this was this was after my time in youth. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's <laughs> okay. We can end it here. You basically won. Good job. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, who is this? I was close. Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Yes. <laughs> Same era. <laughs> segment um boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week what do you have for us shamina all right so i got some boss asses um uh this is like super random uh but uh so all the listeners know like paul and i will exchange like funny memes or videos um on our twitter and instagram so first out uh first off uh shout out to all the people who uh, tweet like funny ass memes and photos. Um, but my he- head boss goes to um, black women in their strong uh, side eye game. Um, I tend to keep those in my inbox for just the purposes of rolling back to them if I ever feel like I want to administer those faces to somebody. Um, <laughs> so I have six of them. Um, oh, and maybe yes. I'll pop them up on our Twitter uh, every few days or something. But first one is Viola Davis gives a really strong, confident side eye, um, off, along with sometimes an eye roll and a head twirl. Um, <laughs> Come Angela on, Bassett, um, the mother of all mothers, Angela Bassett. So enough said. Uh, Loretta Devine can give one too when she's on the screen. Um, uh, Kim Whitley, who is hilarious. Yes. 
um, can give it for real. Uh, and she gave it a few times in the, what was it? In the Master of None season two, episode eight, the Thanksgiving episode, which is phenomenal if you haven't seen it. And I don't even watch Master of None. Um, Oprah, because Oprah can be like, the fuck are you talking about? That's literally the look, the look that she gives. And then she softens it up a little bit. Um, and then, of course, Auntie Maxine, Maxine Waters, who I keep a gif of her that says, stares Maxine-ly um, for all the times where I want to give one of the looks that she administers to somebody else that says, well, I know you didn't say that out loud. And so I'm going to give you the look to accompany that. So uh, head Three boss bars. to all of those women. <laughs> um, they are hilarious. Um, they're all out there doing great things and powerful representations of women, women, women of color and black women. Um, and uh, all of them on some level cape for LGBT folks too. I didn't even realize that um, just by the work that they do and the causes that you see them support publicly. Uh, so yeah, that's my head boss. Super random. But as I was scrolling back through um, some of the messages that we've shared, I was like, these are all ladies that are on there for the most part. Yeah. That was lovely. I love that. Made me laugh inside. Um, all right. So my, I just have a boss ass and it's a group of three people. Um, uh, Netflix is really showing out with their uh, comedy specials. So just like these one time comedy specials. And I want to give a head boss to three that I watched while on vacation. Uh, the first one is Hassan Minaj, uh, Ali Wong, and then Catherine Ryan. Um, oh. All representing very, of course, uh, you know, uh, different social identities that are not really represented in comedy. Um, but I have to probably, out of the three, give the biggest shout out to Hassan Minaj, who is, um, uh, <clears throat> his family's from India. And he, obviously, being a brown person, he uh, grew up in the United States, and his style of comedy is very different. Uh, he takes you on a story, a story that goes for an hour and 10 minutes, and he never loses your focus. You stay entertained the entire time. And he's telling jokes, but it's kind of like a, uh, basically like a dramedy where he really takes you through some really intense moments of his life being um a muslim american and uh but can add in elements of comedy that make you laugh right after him telling you something that's really messed up and screwed up um and so you take home so much after his comedy special you take home laughter you take home uh empathy and love and then you take home um a lesson and a lesson that needs to be learned for anyone who is not a brown person and who is not a Muslim. You know, I took home so much hearing his story um, because we, you know, yeah, I'm a person of color, but I, I'm not going to sit here and try to understand every person's um, um, story and life bringing. So I thought he just brought a really great message. Um, and then this honorable mention goes to Ali Wong, who <laughs> is um, an, an Asian American writer, producer, actress, comedian. Um, I knew her before, um, like people know her for her comedy, stand-up comedy, but I actually knew her because of Fresh Off the Boat. Um, she's mm. one of the main writers on that ABC show, which I love. It's so funny. And she's also um, a lead actress, on, or no, a, she's also on the cast of uh, American Housewife. 
which is another comedy on ABC. And so she's from the Bay Area. She's a San Francisco native, and um, she's obviously a woman of color. And what she represents in her comedy special is she is not afraid to go there. I think it's very common for women and also women of color to not talk about sex or things that are very taboo. So she really goes there. She gets all nasty. She's very unfiltered. Um, I think... uh, I think in the most recent past, like we have a lot of examples of white women who are able to go there, but they've been uh, criticized for going there. So like people like Joan Rivers or Kathy Griffin, but she represents a a millennial um, soon to be mom now uh, that can go there. But what she does is she can get vulgar, but twists it in a way where you, you still walk out of that comedy special with a take home lesson. Like I think, Oftentimes, white comedians, both men and women, they they are vulgar and they they poke fun at communities for the sake of poking fun at communities just to be funny. But um, they don't have anything else in their back pocket. And I think Mm -hmm. women and people of color that we have so much to pull out of our, our back pocket that we will use our platform to be funny, but make you think twice about it. So. She's awesome. She's funny. Um, I highly recommend uh, watching her special as well. Is it on Netflix, you say? Yeah, all of these are on Netflix. They're all a little over an hour long. Um, They're just one-time specials. And I think um, based off of the other specials that I've seen, um, over time, I think they'll keep adding um, uh, shows. Like, basically, uh, it's them recording one of their live shows when they're traveling. Um, So, like... uh, <clears throat> who else? Trevor Noah has one. Um, uh, Dave Chappelle uh, has oh, one. Yeah. Louis uh, C.K. C.K. Louis, Louis or whatever. Uh, Louis C.K. Yeah. So there's just a whole bunch of them that Netflix is starting to produce, which I think is cool. But um, the the uh, Catherine Ryan, Hassan Minaj, and Ali Wong—they're not as mainstream, and I think that their comedies are much more powerful than some of these mainstream people that. Um, we constantly see on TV. So okay. if you want to walk away with a powerful message, um, I strong, strongly recommend it. And please tell me your thoughts. Um, I've loved talking about some of these uh, topics with people online and offline. Great. Very cool. I need cool. to check that one out. I've heard of her. Um, and so I just need to make some time to watch her special. All right, that ends our show. Thank you for listening. Um, as usual, please um, keep connected with us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. And also uh, rate us, review us, tell us how we're doing. And um, as usual, please email us any questions that you have um, at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, we will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Got 125 on the dash. I'm the biggest boss that you see thus far.